Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to another episode of Post-Progressive Inquiries, where Steve McIntosh and I explore the next stage of American politics. The Post-Progressive Project is produced by the Institute for Cultural Evolution. Steve McIntosh is founder and director of the Institute, and I am on the board. And today, I'm going to help Steve introduce a major new initiative of the Institute, a brand new web publication called the Post-Progressive Post. Welcome, Steve McIntosh. Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be with you as always, and I'm excited to share with you the progress that we're making and the new website we've created. It seems like there's just been a new phase of growth and output since the publication of your last book, Developmental Politics. Uh, subhead, How America Can Grow Into a Better Version of Itself, which came out a, a little over a year ago, I guess. Yes. And yeah, so fill us in on the progress. Yeah, so the, since the publication of that book, we've attracted a lot of new interest and support for the Institute for Cultural Evolution Think Tank, um, namely some new directors who've uh, boosted our funding. And that's allowed us to hire uh, a seasoned um, executive director, Josh Leonard, and he and I have been working on developing the, the primary uh, project, the primary activity of the Institute for Cultural Evolution, at least for uh, 2021 and 2022, which is, as you mentioned, the post-progressive project. So by the term post-progressive, we are working to stake out a kind of higher political ground, something that is, includes all of the important uh, gains and perspectives and uh, layers of moral concern that progressivism brings, but to transcend progressivism in a way that can better include the establishment, the previous uh, culture of America, namely modernity and even traditionalism as well. So post-progressivism aims to be omni-inclusive, as we call it, uh, and, and it does what progressivism has a hard time doing, and that is um, moving beyond the rejection of the best of what's come before. Yep. So, Steve, just fill in the you know philosophy and the thinking and principles behind post-progressivism in general. Sure. It, it starts with a perspective on culture, which we call cultural intelligence. And that's a kind of a leadership skill that people can use uh, regardless of where they are on the political spectrum or what their political views are. Uh, cultural intelligence is the ability to step outside of your own perspective, your own worldview, and recognize that America has three major worldviews, which are divided into approximately four major political positions. Each of these political positions stands for very important values, and each one carries baggage or pathologies. So cultural intelligence is the practice of, of carrying forward the best while pruning away the worst of each of these political positions in a, in a kind of a new level of integration, a new, a new synthesis where progressivism adds a very important layer of inclusion, including those who've been marginalized and, and uh, uh, victimized. We're, we're trying to, to go the next step by including the rest of the society, right? We, we, we strive to be omni-inclusive, as we say. And so the post-progressive project has basically three main goals for 2021 and 2022. First is um, put this way of thinking on the map, and that is more formally grow and deepen the public profile and reputation of the post-progressive political perspective. The second goal is build a movement 
and that is develop and promote an influential political constituency among people who identify as post-progressive. And the third is generally improve American democracy to try to overcome hyperpolarization, which is really the main problem that we're focusing on. And arguably, hyperpolarization is the mother of all our problems, because if we could reach uh, consensus, bipartisan consensus, or some higher level consensus on a whole variety of issues, we'd be able to use uh, uh, politics to make our country um, much better, and we'd have a much more functional political right. process, which our democracy was designed to function as. So um, uh, a way of describing that improving American democracy is to foster political and cultural evolution on every front of its development. Right. So evolution is not just occurring beyond progressivism. All of these major cultural factions in America can and are evolving and fostering, cultivating, encouraging that growth across the political spectrum is, is part of what the post-progressive project is about. Right. Yeah. You and I have talked about the basic philosophy of, of uh, uh, post-progressivism on previous podcasts. And the, the main uh, uh, focus of today's um, conversation is to show off uh, the first sort of artifact of the post-progressive project that we've been working on. Uh, I, the executive director of the Institute for Cultural Revolution, Josh Leonard, I'm president. The two of us have worked together over the last five months <clears throat> on, on um, pulling together a website that would be a kind of proof of concept, right? Part political newspaper, part uh, brochure for this post-progressive perspective. And uh, we are proud of it. We're launching it now and um, love to show it off to you. Yeah, can't wait to see it. Great. Okay, so I'm gonna share my screen. Okay, can you see that? Yeah. Okay, so this is the homepage of the post-progressive post. And like a newspaper, many of these uh, rectangular spaces will be changing as new content uh, flows in. Some of the content is evergreen, but lots of it is uh, we'll be updating on a weekly basis to make the site a destination for people who are interested and excited by this emerging perspective. And so let me just uh, take you through the website. Yeah, walk us through. Okay, so our, because this philosophy... And just yeah, truth in advertising here, I, I have seen it at many stages and love it. So I'm just happy to help you show it to the people. Great, thanks. Well, and you've been um, instrumental in helping us develop the thinking behind it, uh, the financing of it, and generally um, you've been a tremendous supporter on our board of directors to help us bring this to fruition. Yeah, my privilege. Okay, so because this is a, uh, a political philosophy, uh, our first focus is on uh, spreading the word, right? Making this political uh, philosophy visible to the larger per, uh, public. It's not just an intellectual niched out community. Um, we're, we're trying to take advantage of the fact that the culture war in America is worse than ever. Uh, people are despairing. The growing cultural power of progressivism, like all of these major worldviews, modernity, traditionalism, each one of them have uh, very important upsides and um, also baggage, debilitating downsides. And as progressivism comes of age and, and really takes uh, up a lot of space in the culture, uh, inevitably its downsides become more evident and the need to keep moving. None of these worldviews are the end of history and certainly is not progressivism. So we're, we're trying to spread the word, as I mentioned in our, um, in our main goals. And so simplifying the message is, is very important. We, we provide a variety of different ways 
the people who are new to this uh, perspective can, can get a sense of what it's about. So this is this uh, our basic approach, which occupies the, the prime um, uh, rectangle here on our newspaper homepage. And so just clicking on this, we have a whole variety of different um, ways of expressing our basic approach. We've got a hundred word version, which I'll read in a second. We've got a 700 word version with graphics, which I'll just show you. Um, we've got a completely visual graphical version. And we have clips from the uh, course that I held on Zoom uh, uh, earlier in this year. And we have a, an interesting section on countering potential objections, right? From left and right, what are people gonna object to and how can we respond to those sort of arguments, uh, the promoting the perspective and, and explaining why we believe uh, it's the way forward. So just quickly going over this uh, 100 word basic approach with the graphics. One, we want to help mend the torn social fabric of American culture. Two, our position is neither left nor right nor centrist. We're, we're uh, exploring higher ground. Love it. Three, our perspective is post-progressive, which transcends progressivism's downsides while carrying forward its important upsides. Three, we advocate cultural intelligence, which integrates values from across the political spectrum. Yep. Five, our strategy is to foster cultural evolution by showing how America can grow into a better version of itself, as the subtitle of my book proclaims. Six, our theory of change is that culture and consciousness co-evolve when people expand the scope of what they can value. And seven, we're building a new home for the political homeless, which is, uh, uh, we'll explain that as I go through the website. Yeah. Just to go back to number six for a second, our theory of change, we're not really trying to change people's values. We're trying to expand their values so that they can totally. value perspectives of those that they disagree with and, and recognize how the positive features of our entire cultural spectrum are actually interdependent. Even though they're polarized, uh, there, there's, there's both a stuck version of these polarities, which we're experiencing now, and a healthy version of these uh, indestructible polarities between these worldviews, and, and such that um, they're, they're, we're, we're working to establish a relationship of challenge and support, wherein both sides of these natural polarities can create value in their own way and, right. and work together. Fabulous. That's not the 100-word version. Yeah, um, we it. also have a 700-word version, which is worth reviewing. Um, this also has graphics. I'm not going to read it, but it shows how America stretched out, uh, how cultural intelligence is a new leadership skill, which uh, everyone can adopt to help depolarize their own thinking, um, how uh, our, our, our politics is a politics of culture in the sense that we are focused on uh, the, the cultural conflicts that are upstream from Washington, D.C. Or, or normal political parties or interests. Uh, we're focusing on culture and we recognize that, that worldviews, intersubjective structures of agreement that transcend generations and that persist across history, that these major worldviews in America are really the basic units of cultural analysis and understanding. And so we show, as we mentioned, these three major worldviews arranged demographically in the order of their Emergence in history, modernists or modernity is about 50% of the population of the U.S. 
traditionalists are about 30% and progressives are, you know, around 20%, maybe growing greater, um, you know, monthly. Uh, our perspective, we attempt to, to take an outside and above perspective. It allows us to see all these worldviews. And then this 700 word version uh, uh, summarizes the, the dignities and the disasters, right? The positives and the negatives of each one of these cultural structures. It goes through uh, modernist values and modernism's negatives, traditionalism's uh, important values uh, and its negatives, progressivism's important values and its negatives. And then we show this graphic here towards the end where we take the three worldview circles and we show the emergence of this post-progressive uh, worldview beyond progressivism, showing it as a red, blue, yin, yang, just to indicate the attempt to integrate healthy versions of the right and the left. And at the same time, through showing through those arrows, um, uh, an attempt to include the best of what's come before, including right progressivism, and how all of these values, the positive aspects of progressive uh, modernist and traditional values can be synthesized. Uh, that's what cultural evolution does, and that's what the post-progressive project is all about. Can I just read this one paragraph, Steve? It's fabulous. Sure. sure. The aha moment of cultural intelligence comes when we see how all these values are needed, not only by our larger society, but by each of us personally. And as we come to appreciate and affirm the entire spectrum of positive values, we literally raise our own consciousness. Well said. Thanks, thanks. Okay, so let's, let's look at the, uh, the, the next uh, on-ramp, the next sort of uh, basic overview position. And that is what we're calling polarities on the left and right. And this is the, the sort of the visual or graphic illustration taken from many of the slides from my course. Uh, and it acts as a review of some of the things we just covered, as well as um, providing some new analysis. So again, here are the three major American worldviews. And then here we show how when we arrange, the, the worldviews at the top are arranged in a timeline of their emergence. But if, when we take the three worldviews and we arrange them across the familiar left-right spectrum in American politics, we can see how progressives are mostly on the left. There's a few libertarian progressives, for example, but by and large, progressive culture is uniformly left. Right? Similarly, uh, traditionalism, uh, while again, there are some uh, traditionalists who vote for Democrats, by and large, most traditionalists at this point in history are uh, loyal to the right, at least some version of it. Whereas uh, modernity was shown in the previous uh, graphic as just being a big uh, orange or red circle. Here I show modernity divided into two. And that's because uh, modernity, unlike traditionalism, which is mostly right and progressivism, which is mostly left, modernity is rather split down the middle or at least 60-40 between right versions and left versions. And, and as I explain in detail in developmental politics, this is partially because uh, the, the, the worldviews of traditionalism and progressivism represent competing moral systems, which are in a sense pulling, it's in a we're in a tug of war for the allegiance of the modernist majority right now, which means that um, uh, many liberal modernists are drawn to a more progressive morality. Many conservative modernists uh, still feel loyalty to a more traditional morality, even they may pick and choose elements of it. Um, but what's important to see in this graphic is that the, um, the polarities exist, but there's not only one polarity between progressive and Democrat. There's actually between you know, Republicans and Democrats. I should say 
there's also a polarity on the left and a polarity on the right. And it's this polarity on the left uh, between liberal modernists and progressive postmodernists that's really uh, flaring up right now as progressivism gains more power, at least culturally, and struggles to gain political power. Um, but of course, many of the uh, important liberty values of modernists uh, feel threatened. You know, free speech is threatened by uh, progressive zealousness, for example. And so this is why we're seeing this, this tug of war right now between progressives and liberals uh, on the left. And so yeah. these polarities are, are you know, across the spectrum and within the spectrum. Fascinating, isn't it? The way it arises. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know, when we understand the patterns of evolution and how this larger dialectical pattern of emergence uh, influences the structures of history and, and the sequences of evolution, we can begin to see how we're looking at something that's, that's natural, right? It's intersubjective. It's, it's created by human agreements or disagreements, but it, it's also something that has a larger systemic um, reality and behaviors and structures. And so uh, post-progressive political philosophy, you know, as a subset of integral philosophy, is able to see these structures more clearly than ever before, right? It's an yeah. integrative meta perspective, which is new uh, in human history, uh, I would argue. Right on. So just continuing with this graphic overview, here I show this, um, this illustration of you know, geological strata. And, and um, most folks, when they think about politics, think about these top layers of the strata, right? Elected officials at the top, political parties as the next level down, and then issues and interests being seen as where the battleground is, you know, in contemporary American politics. But our focus is on the bottom layer, which we're calling bedrock values. And, and there, that's really where the, um, the cultural conflict lies, again, as I argue in, um, in detail in developmental politics. So here are those same four categories of American culture, these four factions. And here, looking at their values, I've got nicknames that describe each one. And so we have progressives who describe their, their set of values as caring values, right? They care about social justice. They care about the environment at a deeper level. And this brings on a new layer of morality that we're going to need in order to uh, transcend to a higher level of civilization. So caring values are very important. Um, under the uh, 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 liberal uh, left of center, uh, liberal moderate Democrat types, we've got the fairness values, right? It's, it's more about fairness than caring, but it still has many of the same concerns and there's lots of overlap between liberalism and progressivism. Um, then we have uh, the more uh, fiscally conservative uh, modernists and libertarians. And libertarians is a small group, but they're influential. And so this what we might call center-right, uh, we're calling that liberty values, and I'll elaborate what those mean in a moment. And then, of course, for the socially conservative traditionalists, we're calling those heritage values on the right. And very interesting, just a couple of weeks ago, um, The Atlantic Magazine published an article by journalist George Packer, who has a new uh, book out um, with some of the same content. And in The Atlantic article, uh, he talks about how America fractured into four uh, parts, which very interestingly confirms this analysis, which we've been uh, talking about for years now. And, and Packer comes up with his own nicknames, which uh, correspond uh, rather nicely to these uh, value nicknames. So for yeah, caring totally. values, he calls it just America, or, or he also parenthesizes it as unjust America. But, but you know, this is the call for justice, social, uh, economic, uh, and environmental. 
Then he calls the fairness values category, the liberal modernists, he refers to them as smart America. And those are the achievers and the meritocrats and those who have uh, or in elite positions in the establishment. I would say that what he identifies as smart America is a subset of this larger center-right category, but but his analysis is interesting, so I'm including Center-left. Center-left, yeah. yeah. Sorry, then, then we have center-right. He calls that free America, right, which corresponds perfectly with liberty values. And then what he calls real America, right, the, the, those who think that, you know, they, they represent America's heritage, America's past, America's soul, um, and so there's some interesting parallels there. Well, you would have thought that George Packer read developmental politics. I doubt that he has, but I, I, I don't necessarily, but go on. Okay. <laughs> um, so, okay. So the key thing to see here as we move to these final graphics, so these polarities, right, which I show the polarity across the spectrum. And then this graphic carries for the polarities within the spectrum. And if we chart these polarities, the polarity on the left and the polarity on the right, we get these two. Uh, we, we get these two polarity charts, which basically show that each one of these uh, major political factions has both positive values and goals, and negative pathologies. It's sort of inevitable that, that uh, as as evolution yeah. unfolds and uh, culture develops, uh, that that new problems come online that are some ways more challenging than the problems of the previous level. Um, but those are somewhat inevitable. Um, even as uh, we're, we're solving new problems, we're generating new ones. And so these charts uh, begin to show this with the idea that the, uh, within at least a manageable polarity, like here the one on the left, shown with the green column and the blue column, the upsides of one uh, within a polarity are able to um, serve as a remedy for the downsides of the other. So if you make kind of uh, um, downward diagonal comparisons between the positive values as each, you can see how they, they, they can exert a moderating influence on um, you know, the shortcomings and pathologies of its polar counterpart. This is a natural behavior of value as it develops. Again, I go into this in detail in developmental politics, but, but understanding the dynamics of polarities uh, and how they are, they, they do generate value when they're brought into the right alignment. As I mentioned, this relationship of challenge and support. And so even right now, I would say there's, there's hardly any common ground left between left and right, which is why we're not trying to meet in the middle. We're not centrists. We're seeking higher ground. And what that higher ground looks like is, is an ability to, um, to recognize how that, that the progressivism and center-left liberal modernism form a, uh, a polarity which is closer to being in a relationship of challenge and support. Sometimes there is healthy challenge and support between these poles on the left, and sometimes there's not, right? So managing this uh, is, is part, of the, um, part of the practice of cultural intelligence, which I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, and, and the idea being that first we need to evolve the left and evolve the right on their own terms. We need to work the polarity, you know, when the challenge and support relationship it serves to kind of true up both sides, such that uh, if, if, if challenge and support can take place on the left, the left can evolve. And if similarly, challenge and support can take place on the right, the right can evolve. And after both have evolved on their own terms and within their own value uh, purview, we'll be in a better uh, position to be able to work the polarity across the left and right. right we need a better version uh, not just of America, but a yeah. better version of the left and a better version of the right. 
And that better version, crucially, includes, carries forward, honors, and reveres all of the major important values that these factions represent, right? Each one of these cultural categories is, in a sense, a channel for the upward current of the good, right? They own, they all, each have their own values, which, as I argue, are foundational to our cultural ecosystem. And so carrying forward those values while uh, uh, trying to um, ameliorate the problems, this is really the heart of yeah. our philosophy and the heart of the post-progressive project. Steve, why don't you give us just one or two from each of the, the values uh, so people who are listening can just get a grip on some of what we're talking sure. about? Sure, sure. So under progressivism, the top value is uh, social justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? Environmental protection, feminism, LGBTQ equality, economic equality, uh, atoning for America's past abuses, um, these are all elements uh, of the positive values of, of progressivism, right? Over on the, uh, the left, we have economic and scientific progress, personal success and meritocracy, gender and racial equality, et cetera. Um, people yep. can, can yep. look at the charts. That second set that you just talked about was from the center left, not the progressive right. left. Yeah. Right. So then we have the, the center right and the traditionalist right, the socially conservative right, um, uh, including uh, within this liberty values category in red are individual freedom and private property, uh, limited uh, government and personal privacy, free markets and uh, unregulated economic growth, um, or at least, you know, lightly regulated. Uh, yep. Socially conservative traditionalists are uh, their number one value, at least according to this chart, is Patriotism and putting America first, America's national interests, America's people, um, family values and uh, America's Judeo-Christian heritage, ethnic assimilation and the American dream, hard work and economic uh, just desserts. Yep. There are many traditional values. And again, they can't all fit in this chart. Uh, we, uh, as I'll show you, we invite people to, um, to help elaborate our descriptions of these, um, of these different categories. But let me continue with the walkthrough before we get too into the weeds with the philosophy. Um, in addition to the 100 words, the 700 words, the graphic version, um, we also have this section we're calling countering object objectives, uh, countering objections. And here I have arguments. These are nine potential objections, right? How can you claim to be more evolved? Uh, isn't, uh, isn't this just centrism? Um, uh, how can we work with the other side when they won't acknowledge what's true? Um, uh, can we, don't we have to take care of campaign finance reform before we can make any other political progress? Um, where's the empirical evidence for these, you know, claims about the evolution of culture? Um, shouldn't we work on a developing progressivism further before we try to transcend progressivism, we post-progressivism? Um, uh, you know, a, an attack from the right might include that, um, that we, because we're not condemning a progressivism sufficiently, then we're its useful idiots and we're promoting cultural Marxism, which we certainly don't believe we are. Or, um, you know, an attack from, from progressivism might say that because we're validating the progress of Western civilization, at least in some lines of development, that we're essentially racist and complicit with white supremacy. We obviously reject that charge and I have an argument accordingly. And then the final uh, uh, counter is uh, about elitism, right? As you've said, that this is a worldview to which all are welcome. And uh, we're really trying to include, we're trying to be omni-inclusive. 
And so that is, um, you know, again, people have to read the arguments to get the, the details of that. Um, we also have under our approach um, clips, which are which serve a similar function. These are clips from my course. There's about an hour's worth of uh, short clips that are either answers to specific questions from the course participants or um, uh, excerpts from uh, specific slideshow uh, lectures that I gave during the course. And that's another way that people who are interested, you know, more want to learn through video can uh, appreciate uh, the website. Yes. Then uh, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't um, praise the uh, the various blogs and articles that are, are part of, of what we're about. So we have our blog. Uh, that'll be the standard sort of update of what we're doing. Um, I'm undertaking a column, um, which I'm calling Critique of the Week. Uh, I hope to get to it weekly, or maybe you know, every two weeks or whatever. But I will here. Um, the idea is that I offer constructive critiques of public figures I admire um, by pointing out how they could benefit from a developmental perspective. So my first critique of the week is about a recent column by Ross Dautat um, I, uh, of the New York Times. Um, and next week, uh, I will work on a critique of George Packer, right? And, and a constructive critique that appreciates his four Americas and offers uh, um, some uh, pointers about how a developmental understanding of those four sectors could really help what he, what he uh, Which he has no understanding of. Well, he talks about the solution as equal America, but again, right. there's no verticality of development or no. understanding of the evolutionary process. No. So it's again, really it's something. right for a friendly critique, right? So I hope to do that yeah, totally. on a regular basis. Um, and then um, we also have uh, uh, Greg Thomas, who is a, uh, a highly productive um, uh, senior fellow of the Institute for Cultural Evolution. We're reprinting his article here, which just appeared in Aereo magazine, Why I'm a Radical Moderate. I recommend that. Um, Carter Phipps, who co-founded the Institute for Cultural Evolution with me, uh, and who's a co-author of uh, my recent book, uh, Conscious Leadership, which we uh, Carter and I co-authored with John Mackey. And um, he's got a very thoughtful piece here on who wants to skip the Civil War, and people can, uh, can read that. Uh, we have um, uh, Josh Leonard, who I mentioned is our... Um, new executive director. Uh, his article is on uh, progressive inclusivity is not inclusive enough toward an omni-inclusive post-progressive vision as, uh, as we spoke of. We also have a new writer. Um, we have uh, Jessica Nicole, whose article Liberation as Process uh, talks about Martin Luther King Jr.'s liberatory act activism and how that relates to omni-inclusivity. So we've got some interesting new voices and we're going to continue there. Um, we also are highlighting a variety of uh, videos and podcasts, of course, post-progressive inquiries, uh, of which this is an episode, part of the Daily Evolver. Then we have uh, my, my course clips, and we're also offering um, my course in full for a modest price that people can, uh, can, can take the course on video, all uh, 16 hours of it. Um, the Daily Evolver itself, the parent of uh, post-progressive uh, inquiries, at least for now, uh, very important. Excellent podcast of yours, Jeff, and um, you Thank and I you. have had many episodes on the Daily Evolver, and hope to have many more. And um, we definitely want to highlight that and keep uh, updating. You know, the, show the latest episode here in, on the website. And then Carter Phipps uh, in the fall, he launched his own podcast, Thinking Ahead, which is also excellent. He has many different uh, luminaries from all over the spectrum of politics and culture. So I recommend Carter's. 
And then we have additional videos. Uh, some of them are interesting gorilla videos made by um, some of the folks who admire our work. So check those out. Now, I wanna focus here on a very important part of the site, which is our platform, our evolving platform of issue positions. So here, our thinking is that even though we may not be experts on any single political issue, we have to show how this perspective, you know, even though it's focused on a politics of culture, reaches all the way down to the ground in terms of specific political issues. And so our approach is to take an issue, identify the problems that, that, that um, they need to be solved with respect to that issue, and then talk about what a policy, what a political policy that worked to bring a win to each one of the worldviews, right? So our, our, our philosophy is win, 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 um, or stakeholder integration is a more formal term for it, uh, borrowing from business and conscious capitalism. And that is that, that progressives, uh, modernists, and traditionalists are even each important stakeholders in our democracy. And when you come from a post-progressive perspective, you can see how a given piece of legislation can look to give progressives a win, look to give uh, mainstream modernity a win, and even look uh, to the interests of traditionalists. So it's not as if we're asking these folks to bargain this out among themselves. We're trying to embody the best values of all of these positions within our own perspective. So we're arguing for their values you know, in, in, our, in our own discourse. And so for example, um, the, first, the first issue that we're publishing here is uh, healthcare, healthcare reform in the US. And this is like a simple four page white paper. It's kind of wonky. So I, I'm not gonna get into the details of our uh, policy prescription with regard to healthcare reform. But uh, this section of the page will show the wins. So in, in healthcare, we see wins for progressivism by um, providing universal coverage and, uh, and, and, and uh, decrease the costs for people who are poor and, and marginalized, make healthcare more universal. Um, for modernity, we want to continue to use market mechanisms to help control costs and keep the, uh, the, the system from becoming too bureaucratized, right? So they, they were, we're modeling our healthcare uh, policy recommendation on healthcare in Switzerland, which is universal, but which also brings in important uh, market mechanisms. Um, and then the wins for traditionalism are we, we want to, the part of our system includes incentives for, for personal responsibility and, uh, and self-care, and also brings health care um, to many underserved areas, uh, especially in rural America. So that's just, you know, give you an example of how we're trying to create wins across the board. Um, uh, the platform, these aren't in necessarily order of priority, these issue positions, but they're in the order of, of, of uh, <clears throat> the, the timeline of their being written, right? So um, we have our health care position published on the website now. We'll soon publish our immigration position uh, we have a, a near complete energy and climate change win-win-win uh, uh, political position. Hmm. Uh, education also complete. The one that I'm working on, um, very important and uh, very delicate, of course, is the issue of racial equality, which we think is very important. And um, you know, we're we're in affinity uh, for much of the, uh, the movement for racial equality that we've seen over the last uh, year and more in the United States. Yep. And we want to just um, help that succeed in a way that doesn't necessarily need to uh, tear down uh, the best of what's come before. And so then you can see homelessness, uh, business evolution of the future of work, big tech monopolies. People can look, income inequality. Mm -hmm. We've got this long list. Yeah. And, and their Abortion, gun control, drugs, religious freedom, campaign finance. I love it. 
Yeah. I mean, so, you're laying out the agenda, even if it's not filled in yet. Well, and the idea is that we're not we're not making you know statements that are they're final. The the way we hope to evolve this platform is to put out maybe you know what's best called conversation starters, right? Like these four page issue positions that attempt to create win win win. We are putting those out there and and really soliciting comments first and foremost from the post progressive community, right? Those who have an integral or post-progressive perspective, we're asking for them to weigh in on this. Right on. So, so once we get a little bit larger consensus and buy-in from uh, you know, post-progressives, um, then we'll take the platform and uh, write op-eds about it and try to uh, disseminate it, its thinking and, and get comment from the wider culture. So developing this evolving platform and, and making it be interactive, very important part of this website's mission. Another um, uh, feature of the website that's worth uh, just previewing here is what we're calling our invitation to all sides. So here we have those familiar uh, four uh, categories that, um, that we went over um, um, a little while ago, progressive, what we're calling center left or moderate liberal, at least so people can identify uh, what these are, uh, center right or libertarian and social conservative. And so for example, when you click on progressive, it, um, it explains why these are some of the progressive values that we are attempting to uh, forward, right? These are values that, that we also value, even though they're normally identified primarily with progressivism. We've gone over some of these, right? Protecting the environment, championing social justice, et cetera. And we ask people to elaborate on their commitment to progressivism, what they see. And so that, that we ask people to um, add a comment or a testimonial here, and that is added to the bottom of the site. So folks who are partisans of these positions themselves can help define what it means and, and they'll feel a sense of ownership there. Um, then we have uh, this section of the website which we're calling Engage and Participate. Here we have, I mean, we don't want this site to just be one way. It's not just informational, right, for people who view it. We want to engage as much uh, two-way information, get people to input, get people to comment, get people to object, right, and, and otherwise, um, practice uh, this way of thinking for themselves. And so we have three um, uh, internet-based uh, 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 exercises or you know, quizzes, internet quizzes as they call. We've, we've um, reviewed some of these in previous podcasts. Um, the first one is new. Uh, we're calling it, Are You Post-Progressive? And um, uh, it's, it's basically uh, uh, 12 statements uh, and you're asked to just agree or disagree and then it gives you not only um, uh, your overall percent of post-progressive out of 100, but it also gives you a, a transcendent score and an inclusion score. Like some people, they, they score very high on including the others, but they, they haven't quite transcended the worldview that they're in, which is, you know, evolutionarily appropriate and fine. We're not condemning anyone. But we're just saying, look, the idea of post-progressive is to both transcend and include. And so some people transcend, they, they can't stand those other positions and feel politically homeless. So they're going to have a high transcendence score, whereas others want are naturally more inclusive, even though transcendence may be more challenging for them. But when you combine this understanding of transcendence and inclusion, you can see how your perspective, at least how this um, test is. Now, let me say in all humility that we're not trying to do social science here. You know, this is a political rhetoric wrapped in the form of an internet entertainment. Um, but nevertheless, it's fun to do, and um, we recommend it, obviously. Um, the other exercise that we have here is the worldview questionnaire. 
uh, developed by Anique DeWitt and adapted to an online version um, with the Institute for Cultural Revolution several years ago. We've had thousands of people take this test. And again, I don't think it's uh, proper social science, but again, it's entertaining and it helps you understand worldviews and your own. Um, and then we have this character development exercise, which I um, developed and put online. It's, it's taken from the appendix of developmental politics and the idea that it's an exercise in character development based on virtues. So it asks you to, to kind of explore what your highest virtues are and how those relate to your duties to other people, your duties to yourself, and your duty to something transcendent or greater than yourself. Um, we also have uh, here uh, windows into our Twitter account, windows into our uh, Facebook group that we're just starting and we invite people to be part of. Um, so this page shows a lot of different ways that people can engage with our work, both on social media and here on the website. And then um, just moving down the menu here, it, we also are creating a kind of a club uh, for post-progressivism. We're calling it um, the Post-Progressive Alliance. Uh, you know, it's, it's grassroots people who are attracted to this perspective and want to engage with it more. Um, we're having monthly um, Zoom meetings, right? And so we have a, a, a wide variety of folks who are attracted to that. And we invite people who are interested in being part of the club to apply. Now, again, we're not trying to be exclusive, but we're trying to create an agreement space where post-progressive deliberation, so to speak, you know, where there's a, a realm of trust we're in, we're in a worldview where um, we're at least trying to come from a post-progressive perspective and honoring different perspectives. And so within this agreement, agreement space, it really becomes a kind of a juicy we space, which we invite people to be part of. And the simple uh, application process involves taking the post-progressive test, scoring 60% or more, and just affirming that you've taken the test. And you can take the test multiple times to get to the score, so it's kind of hard. <laughs> Um, and then we ask you to give us a thoughtful answer, uh, you know, 200 words or less, to the following two questions. Um, why is a post-progressive approach to politics needed now? And two, how does post-progressivism differ from other political perspectives? So this just gives, uh, uh, gives you a sense to think about it, to see whether this is something that um, you can participate in in good faith. Um, and then we also have... Uh, uh, member expectations like civility and confidentiality. And so if you can agree to those, maybe we ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself, but that's optional. Um, but we do want to invite people and give them a, a sense. Like it says in the masthead of the website, it's a home for the politically homeless. And that's what this post-progressive alliance uh, attempts to be. And so again, at the bottom of the, uh, of the website, we will um, we'll include uh, uh, you know, a, a link to the Institute for Cultural Evolution's website that explains, uh, uh, you know, how this is uh, the Post Progressive Project is a nonprofit um, um, uh, in initiative um, that's created by the Institute for Cultural Revolution, funded by the Institute for Cultural Revolution, and um, uh, in a, in a sense, the main work of the institute right now. Uh, and um, I, I think that the chance, the the, the moment is right in history. For, for staking out higher ground, for pointing to something that transcends and includes progressivism. Um, and we really believe that, that, you know, we're not gonna get it done with a website by itself, but this is a, a beginning, it's a first start. Uh, we wanna spotlight other organizations, we wanna include all kinds of different content. We wanna keep growing the content and have it be, uh, 
have it be um, refreshed on a regular basis so people can return and, and get up to date on what's going on. We hope to include with you, Jeff, um, a, a kind of a, a, a column that's frequent where you review the New York Times, uh, the daily New York Times page and wake up, read the New York Times and tell us what you think from a, yeah. a, a post-progressive yeah. perspective. Yeah. And so I'll highlight that as a forthcoming um, important uh, uh, weekly video column, which um, we're really looking forward to hearing um, yeah. from you about. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's really great, Steve. I mean, I'm very impressed. There's a really a lot that has uh, flourished here uh, in the last year, really. And it's, uh, it's now online, right? It's postprogressive.org. Mm -hmm. post, post dash progressive. Post, yes, hyphen progressive.org. Yeah, 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 we're yeah. trying to keep the hyphen because it doesn't look good all smooshed yeah. together. Yeah. And if you Google post progressive right now, uh, the main entry is for a, um, a, a genre of, of music. I know. <laughs> go beyond progressive music. Um, right. Uh, but in time, we hope that, uh, that our definition of post-progressivism as an emergent yeah. political perspective will occupy the number one spot and will come to really uh, define this term in, in the public's mind. Right on. Well, again, very impressive and congratulations. And I'm really excited to be part of the team pushing this forward, and I invite anybody who's listening to join us as well. Indeed. All and right. uh, so uh, this, this video is being, um, is being uh, published at the same time that the website's being launched. Uh, we're trying to make uh, you know, a splash. We're trying to you know, promote it as much as we can, a little bit like launching a book, right? We have a press release on our website, and, and we want to try to get media attention. Again, you know, th these days, websites are not big news. Um, but we do hope that um, this emerging political perspective that can do what other perspectives can't do very well, and that is include the best of all, um, that, that this is something that the media will eventually pay attention to. Yeah. And we're seeing people migrating to this understanding, you know, modernists like George Packer. Yeah. And I know that his perspective is getting a lot of attention right now. And so hopefully uh, people will come to see how we have an even deeper understanding of it and, and uh, one that points to, uh, we think, a, a very pragmatic, um, but at the same time, inspirational solution to our hyper-polarized democracy. Well, that's so well said. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Steve McIntosh. Thank you, everybody, for listening and we're watching this uh, edition of Post-Progressive Inquiries. And join us. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Okay. See you, folks. Mm -hmm.